What's up, guys? Today is the first day of free agency, and I thought I would just do a quick recap, breaking down some of the bigger things that happened, letting you know how I feel about them and what I think it means going forward for that specific team. Before we start real quick, let me explain my grades, because I'm going to attach letter grades to this, and you might know what that means on your spelling test from elementary school, but you might not know what that means regarding an NFL player, right? So without getting too deep in the weeds, when it comes to position players, I just go with the letter grade, right? I can break it down a little bit deeper for quarterbacks, but with with like a defensive end, the difference between the best A and the worst A isn't really material. Uh, it's just one player doesn't affect the game that much. So an A-plus is reserved for all-time greats. Aaron Donald, Tom Brady in his prime. Like, for instance, Nick Bosa's a really good defensive end. But is he a Hall of Famer? I don't know. He's close. So he's definitely an A, but I'm really stingy with those A pluses. An A is all pro dudes. If, if an A player won an all pro award next year, you would not be surprised at all. You'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Nick Bosa, for instance, is a great example. He's probably going to win an all pro a couple times in the next five years. But if he won every single one or if he was an MVP candidate, you'd be a little surprised and confused, right? That's the difference between an A plus and an A. A minus is dudes who are pro bowlers, but they're just a teeny bit worse than that all pro distinction. B plus is really good players that should start for your team and you should be pretty happy about. Uh, a B player is my average starter threshold. So that's a guy who's like, he's fine. You don't think about him too much. Uh, a passable player is a B minus. These are dudes who like they're on your team. Maybe it's an older veteran who used to be good. And now he's just kind of like in his last couple of years, like Patrick Peterson, maybe right now uh, at this stage in his career. A C plus is that gap filler player. It's that journeyman. It's that offensive guard who's been on like four teams and he's always good enough to start, but nobody's happy about it. And they're trying to replace him as soon as they can. Uh, a C player is a bad starter. It's you can start him, but your team is probably actively looking to replace him. And then anything below that is a backup. I only hand out F grades for dudes who legitimately can't play the position because you have to have a bottom, right? So like, remember, A plus is only for all time great players, like the best we've ever seen. F is only for like can't function bad because you may remember a few years ago during COVID, Kendall Hinton had to play quarterback. Now that's an F. He can't play quarterback. But if I start giving like Blake Bortles an F, then there's no distinction between a guy who can play just poorly and a guy who literally can't operate the offense. So that's enough about the grades. Now you know where I'm coming from. Let's get to the actual players and which grades I give them and the grade that I give the deal. So the first player I want to talk about is Vernon Hargrave. Uh, Three technique defensive tackle from Philadelphia played really good this past two seasons, and he's just a really good player. He's 30, so he's got probably three more real good years in him, maybe one or two like top level years. I give Vernon Hargrave an A minus grade. I think he's a Pro Bowl player. I don't think that he's an All Pro guy. If he if Vernon Hargrave was the best defensive tackle in the league in the next couple of years, I would be shocked. He's not on Chris Jones level. He's not on Aaron Donald's level. Hell, he might not even be that next level underneath. I think an A- minus is a pretty solid, gracious grade for him. And I think he is going to just wreck worlds with the 49ers. They paid a lot. They paid about $20 million a year, and that's a ton of money, especially for a defensive tackle. But first of all, between you and me, there's a secret. Don't, 
Don't tell anybody. The salary cap's kind of fake. It's not. It's not fake at all. It's very real. It's very easy to figure out. It's it's all math. You can do it in Excel. But it's so easy to manipulate by being creative and spending money. Like if your owner just has deep pockets, you can subvert the salary cap every year. Look at the Saints. Yeah, they lost a couple players. They're still massively overpaying for things and and making extremely reckless decisions on a year-to-year basis and never having to really pay the piper. Oh no, they lost a couple defensive linemen. I'm not I'm not worried. Um, we'll get to that a little later. Javon Hargrave's a really good player and yeah, they played, paid a lot, but I don't really think you can overpay for a good player. He also turns their strength, their defensive line into like a mega strength. All right. So Nick Bosa, we talked about great defensive end, elite dude. Now you've got Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave who are both a minus caliber defensive tackles, roughly terrorizing the middle. And I don't care who you have at the other defensive end, but between you and me, Drake Jackson's going to pop. That dude has elite bend and quickness. So he's long. He's long too. I'm trying not to swear. It's a short video. YouTube will get me for that. But he's going to pop off, especially with these three terrors across the line. And, you know, God forbid Kinlaw ever turns into anything. Now they're five deep on the defensive line. That's going to be sick. All right, the next big one to pop, let's stick with San Francisco theme. Mike McGlinchey went to the Denver Broncos. I'm shocked. I had some personal intel saying he was going to the Bears. The Bears, I know for a fact the Bears really wanted him. And I had heard from some people that know McGlinchey that he was really interested in coming to Chicago. I guess Sean Payton put the full court press on because he went to Denver and it wasn't even that expensive of a deal. I think he got about $85 million over five years, uh, and the guaranteed money wasn't unreal either. So that's a pretty cost-effective deal for a B-plus, A-minus offensive tackle. McGlinchey really dots that line. He's overrated a little bit, but he's certainly, at the very least, a good starting offensive tackle, right? I think he's an A-minus. If you want to argue B-plus, fine. They don't care. Uh, so I give this deal a B plus. I think that he's a really good player and yeah, they paid for him, but they upgraded a spot that's important, right? They solidified that offensive line with a solid veteran uh, and, you know, with offensive linemen these days, because practices are so much less physical and you get so many fewer practices, experience matters a lot. Like these rookies, they're not ready out of the box. You know, they need time to get seasoned. And with these veterans, you don't have to do that. So you kind of skip over that development curve and you reinforce your offensive line immediately. Uh, I think that that move dovetails, again, B-plus move dovetails with the Ben Powers move, Denver getting the offensive guard from the Ravens. McGlinchey is certainly more of a pass blocker than a run blocker. Powers is more of a run blocker than a pass blocker, but a, a very, very good offensive guard either way. He is a b guard with upside to hit B plus if he continues improving because he's still fairly young and they didn't pay that much for him. And it's really important for Russell Wilson, tiny as he is to see over the off or to have a clean pocket because he can't really see over the offensive line. You got to keep that middle nice and clean for him. So he doesn't have to look over any defensive tackles, waving those big arms up. I, I really like what Sean Payton's vision is. And I frankly think that the only thing keeping Denver from being an elite elite offense is their quarterback play, right? Their receivers are sick. You've got 
a much better offensive line now than you did. You're getting Javante Williams back at running back. And now you got Sean Payton, who is supposed to be a good play caller. I have some actual doubts, but we'll save that for another video. All that's left is Russ Wilson, who's supposed to be good. He, he's not He's not good. He's not going to be good. He hasn't been good in a long time. But that brings me to – I'm going a little out of order. I like to keep quarterback deals separate from other deals because quarterbacks I get a lot more particular. I'm going to jump the gun because I'm probably going to cut this off and make a little holy shit Denver won the day video. I'm going to bleep that. Regardless – Jarrett Stidham to the Denver Broncos is, for my money, the best signing of the day. I think that Jarrett Stidham is a good starting quarterback. Now, how good? Barely good. I like. Come on, we have a couple games of tape on this guy with the Raiders last year at the end of the year, but he looked really good. So first off, they're only paying him five and a half mil a year. That's nothing for a quarterback. That's nothing. I think that that's second year rookie deal money. Doesn't count. Fake fake, not, not money. Second of all, I think he's much better than Russell Wilson. And I know what you're saying, Joe, it's like his sixth year in the NFL and he started two games. How can he be good? I don't know. Uh, Geno Smith didn't start for a real long time in between the Jets and the Seahawks. And it turns out pretty good. So I don't take the lack of positive evidence as negative evidence, right? Just because he couldn't get on the field doesn't mean he wouldn't have been good if he did. Some dudes suck at practice. Some dudes just aren't very friendly. Some coaches find favorites and decide like, I drafted this guy. I'd like him to play versus I don't really, I don't, I don't know that guy, right? Also, Jarrett Stenham was with the Patriots. He's not starting over Brady. And they're weird about quarterbacks. The Cam Newton experiment, I don't understand. The mere fact that they signed Cam Newton shows terrible quarterback judgment. And the fact that they replaced him with Mac Jones shows more terrible judgment. I, I'm not going to use Bill Belichick's quarterback expertise as some kind of dogma. I'm going to judge what the tape says. And the tape told me coming out of Auburn and Baylor that he was a pretty decent prospect. And the tape told me when he played with the Raiders this past year, I didn't change. I'm going to throw some cards up. I broke down both of his games on the YouTube channel. You can see every snap. You can see exactly why I graded him the way I did. I didn't think he was amazing, but I certainly think he was solid. And you're getting a solid NFL quarterback to operate a very good offense in the case that Russ Wilson, his game goes to hell or he gets hurt because he's old and bad. So odds are pretty good Stidham's playing this year. And you got him for nothing. That's an A-plus deal. So my day one champions of free agency is the team that got half of a great offensive line and a good starting quarterback for pennies. That's a little bit cheating because quarterbacks are a different category, right? But good job, Denver. All right, the next team I want to talk about is my hometown Chicago Bears. Now, I've explained a few times that I am not a Bears fan and I, I'm, I don't have a favorite team. I'm not a fan of any team anymore because the Bears frustrated me so badly during the back half of the Jay Cutler era into the beginning of the Trubisky era. I just gave up. I, I got so frustrated that I realized like this team makes me more sad and mad than any other football. I just like watching football and scouting players. I'm going to do that. And then when I watch, I'm going to root for the guys that I like watching play, the guys that entertain me uh, and the guys that I think are good and deserve more credit. So I basically just root for my bets and my scouting, <laughs> but I obviously love football. 
The Chicago Bears kicked off free agency today with a blockbuster signing of TJ Edwards. That's not really a blockbuster signing. Got a very cheap deal, only about six and a half mil per, which is really good for a starting linebacker. And I don't think TJ Edwards is great. I think he's a B linebacker. He is a solid starter, average solid starter. Don't, you know, fine, just fine. I don't think he changes much. I don't think that he's a, a game changer, an X factor. TJ Edwards' prototype is that he's a coverage linebacker and he's not particularly athletic and he's kind of small. He is a Chicago boy, so we give him credit for that. We know he's tough. We know he likes his sausage, but that's about it. TJ Edwards' PFF metrics last year were really good with the Eagles, and I think that that's a little bit inflated. First of all, linebackers who play the middle and run a cover four scheme, PFF tends to give them really high grades because when you're playing cover four, the formation kind of looks like this. And because of that, you've got the linebacker going covering all this space in the middle that's just not, it's not possible, right? Like you got to be Erlacher in his prime, Fred Warner on a good day to actually lock down this area. It's way too much field. So I think that PFF just is a little gracious saying, well, I didn't mess up and he made, he ran and he chased and he made the tackle. Good for you. He was in the area. That's his job. Uh, so it's an E it's, it's such a hard uh, task to accomplish that it's almost easy because as long as you don't totally fail, it's good. So TJ Edwards is a fine linebacker. He'll be okay. He's not running a cover four anymore in Chicago. He'll be running a cover two. Matt Eberflus runs that real vanilla uh, nickel cover two scheme. And he'll be in coverage a lot. And I think that that's a solid signing. It's a, it's a B player at a position of need. I give it a B plus signing. Good stuff. Not going to change your team too much, but it plugs a hole with a player you don't need to worry about until his contract's up. That's great. I thought pairing him with Jack Sanborn, who I'm pretty high on and think he'll be an average starter as well. I think that that just makes your linebackers decent and linebackers aren't that important. So good on you. You're done there right? Wrong. Wrong. They went and they blew their load on Trey Edmonds. Pause. We're keeping it in. They blew their load on Trey Edmonds. They spent way too much money on Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds is a little bit of a, a fishy case. If you haven't been paying attention, you might think this dude is sick. First of all, remember he was drafted when he was 19 years old out of Virginia Tech and all anybody talked about in draft prep is like, well, yeah, he's not, he's not good yet, but he's real athletic and he's only 19. He's 19. So like in his first year, he'd be 20. And uh, fast forward to today, all anybody's talking about is, you know, he's already played in the league for five years and he's only 24. That's nice. His career might last a little longer, but as far as development goes, it's not about how old you are. It's about how long you've been doing the thing you're doing, right? Like, think about it. You were no better at breathing or arithmetic at 25 than you were at 24. You already mastered those things. You'd already done it for a long time. Trey Edmonds already played three years of college football and five years of NFL football. He's not getting better. Now, he, certainly his body won't be declining as quickly, but it's all about usage. And he's had plenty of time to learn everything he's going to learn about this game. He is a finished product, so throw the age out. But, again, if you haven't been paying attention, first-round pick, mega athletic, super young, right? And he's coming off of an awesome year per PFF, right? Not really. 
So if you look at Trey Edmonds' first four years in the league, PFF has him as historically bad in coverage and not very good at stopping the run at all either. In fact, they have him as one of the very worst starting linebackers in the PFF era over his first four years. And if you watch the film, and if you watch his Virginia Tech film, that plays out. He's six foot four, very tall, and he's fairly fast. He's, he should be good in space, right? Because he's a great athlete. No, he gets confused in space more than anybody I watch. Every time I watch the Bills, like my, I have a couple friends that I allow to watch football with me when I'm really zoning in. And it's a joke every time we watch the Bills and anything goes up the middle, I scream. Effing Trey Edmonds again. The guy takes really bad angles in pursuit, and he just gets generally confused when people are running behind him. He doesn't have like, you know, some guys have their eyes in the back of their head and they can just cover really instinctively like a Bobby Wagner or like Eric Kendricks before his legs went. Trey Edmonds has the opposite of that. He's got a blindfold in the back of his head and sometimes on the sides of his head too. So he just takes really bad angles in the run game. He gets confused when he's got to cover in a lot of space and running a cover two system. He's going to have to be in space a lot. The whole point is that he's going to be in space a lot. I'm not thrilled with that signing at all. I have Trey Edmonds as a B B minus player, maybe a C plus. And they gave, I gave this signing a D because they gave him top-of-the-line money. He's going to have a cap hit of about $15 million each year on average. Uh, it's a four-year deal, but it's really only a three-year deal. So they're paying like rookie quarterback money, like 50-year option quarterback money, good wide receiver money, to a linebacker who I don't think is average for, for a starter. Additionally, back to that PFF stuff, in his, in his fifth year, and this is what people are you know, seizing upon. He had an 88 coverage grade. That is elite. That is sick, especially for a linebacker. That is incredible. And it buoyed his PFF grade because his run defense, tackling and blitzing, they're not good. He's not good at those areas of the game. So here's my issue. Low 30s, one year of 50, and now 88. How the hell, how the hell does this happen? So let's look into actually which games he played. Like which games did he play so well in that it made his grade astronomical? Well, I mean, if you look at this, I basically just went across every game that he played this year, what his overall PFF grade was, what his coverage grade was, and then which quarterback he was facing, right? So week one, he played a good quarterback in Matt Stafford. Now, how good is he? Well, I don't know. The injuries certainly took their toll <laughs> this year. But this is week one. It's probably the best he's going to be. Let's give Trey Edmonds the benefit of the doubt. Let's call Matt Stafford a really good quarterback still. A starting good quarterback. And he had a solid coverage grade, 75. Now, evidently, he stunk everywhere else because his overall grade was bad, 66. That's an average player. 75 is a good coverage grade. That's like a B-plus coverage grade. Tannehill and Tua... These are average grades. And Tannehill's a starting quarterback. Tua's a starting quarterback. Tannehill's okay. And Tua's kind of bad, but that's for a different story. This is not a Tua video. I've got plenty of those. You can go and check those out. <laughs> so, again, these are very average, like B-minus coverage grades. 
against Lamar, starting quarterback. People have different opinions, but I think we can all agree Lamar's a starting quarterback. Terrible, terrible grade. Mahomes and Rodgers, okay coverage grades, pretty average. Mike White, backup quarterback, not a not a great backup quarterback. Nobody thinks Mike White is coming to steal to his job. Elite. Kirk Cousins, people have different opinions about Kirk Cousins. He's certainly a starting quarterback. Elite. So we've got two games that were very good coverage from Trey Edmonds, and they were against two good quarterbacks and then a backup quarterback in Mike White. Another good coverage game against Mac Jones, a bad quarterback who's on the verge of losing his job to Bailey Zappi. And then another good game against Skylar Thompson, a third-string quarterback on little notice. But then you look at the games he played terrible in. Lamar, Mike White again, Tua, Joe Burrow. He has just as many terrible games in coverage as he has good ones, and mostly he's just okay. I don't know how the hell they got 88 when he had an 88 or above coverage grade one time. I'm not here to question how PFF does their grading. I just know that if you look at this, it's not actually very impressive. So like, per, if you go game by game, Trey Adams is not a good coverage linebacker. He's a fine coverage linebacker. And this is the best year by far. His PFF grade in coverage was about three times higher than it was like the year prior. The Bears also signed Nate Davis, a guard out of Tennessee, uh, not the college, Tennessee Titans. He's going to be 27 by about by the start of the year. Uh, so he's, you know, he's got good age. <laughs> you know, he's not, he's not old. He's in his prime. That's fine. Uh, he's a mediocre guard. You know, PFF had him ranked and all three of the last three years, he was the 18th best guard, 25th best guard, 16th best guard. He's more of a run blocker than a pass blocker. As a pass blocker, he hasn't been very good at all. Just checking really quick, last year was his best year as a pass blocker, and he had a 66.8 grade. Uh, the three years prior were 49-52-44. So, uh, you know, he's been a decent guard all told in basically every season he's started, but it's much more because he's a good run blocker than anything else. And, you know, this, this is a fine signing. Again, like, offensive line, you want to build a decent group. You're not looking for studs, right? Like on the defensive line, it takes one game wrecker, a Khalil Mack a few years ago, uh, Nick Bosa, keep coming back to him, Aaron Donald. It just takes one dude to just mess everything up and give you a good defensive line. Offensive line is the opposite way. It, with a good offensive line, you just need to have no holes, right? It's not about having any sharp points. It's about having no holes for sharp points to get through. Uh, you think, you know, Think of a defensive line as a sword and an offensive line as a shield. It doesn't matter if one part of your shield is really strong if there's a gaping hole in it, right? Because you're just going to stab right through that hole. That's how an offensive line works. So Nate Davis is fine. He plugs a hole. He'll play guard. What's interesting about this is, uh, first of all, it signals that the Bears, they're looking to be a running team, which they kind of have to be with Justin Fields. He's not a passer, I think we can all agree, uh, no matter who his offensive line or wide receivers are, that's not his game. He's a runner. And they're going to lean into that. They're going to run. 
They got a run blocking guard, right? Additionally, what does this mean for Cody Whitehair? Because he's currently their left guard and he played fine again last season, similar caliber to Nate Davis, but he's older and he's getting more expensive. Do they cut him? Because they can. Or do they slide him over to center? Because he used to play center fairly well for the Bears. And if they slide him over to center, how does he look? Because if he plays at center the way he played at guard last year, all of a sudden this offensive line is like legit solid. It's not, it doesn't have any stars. You know, there's no Trent Williams just demolishing dudes in the run game, but there's no liabilities left except maybe one at tackle that they could fill in the draft. So uh, this signing, not great. I give it a C plus. There were better guards out there. Like for instance, Shaq Mason, who the Buccaneers are about to cut and you could probably get for only slightly more money uh, and money is certainly not an issue for the bears right now. Uh, that said, it's a fine move. You know, it plugs a hole. I'm not moved about it. I'm not angry that they didn't go get the best guard because I don't think you need to. And I'm not thrilled that they plugged a hole because they plugged a hole. It's basically a lateral move from last year that is getting a little younger. All right. There aren't any other teams that really like inundated the market today. So let's just go rapid fire and I'll just grade some of the signings around the league. And then after that, we'll get into the couple quarterback deals that went down. All right, one of the first deals that happened today was also David Onyemata leaving the Saints going up north, north, to the Atlanta Falcons, where he'll play defensive tackle next to Grady Jarrett. Now, I really like this signing. I give it a B-plus because is not a B-plus player. He's a B defensive tackle. Maybe a little better, but probably more a B. Uh, but he's going to be paired, paired with Grady Jarrett, and that gives them a really good interior defensive line. Grady Jarrett is a smaller three technique. He gets upfield really quick. And then Anyamata is about six foot three, six foot four, three hundred. He's longer. He's better against the run. He'll be a really good one gapper when they're in their you know nickel formation because they run a three four. Anyamata will play defensive end. So will Jarrett, and then they'll have a nose tackle. But everybody plays nickel most of the time nowadays, so they'll have a four man front, and it'll be some combination of Lorenzo Carter, Carter, Arnold Ebichetti, and whoever else they add, because I can't imagine they won't add another defensive end, and then Grady Jarrett and David Onyemata. All of a sudden, that defensive line goes from being a huge weakness to kind of strong. That's a B-plus, A-minus defensive tackle grouping. Grady Jarrett's an A-minus. Onyemata's a B-plus. Take your pick. So that's a good signing. They didn't break the bank for him. Very nice job. They also went out and signed Jesse Bates. I know I said I wasn't going to do team-based grading anymore, but... He's right here. Jesse Bates has fallen off a lot in the last couple of years. You go back to 2020 and he was like elite. Uh, you know, one of the best safeties in the game. Last year, he was okay. This year, he bounced back a little bit. Long story short, he's not the most athletic safety anymore. He's getting a little older. He'll play free safety. He's 27 when the season starts. He's good. He's a He's a B starter, right? Like, he's right. He's a starter. You're not looking to replace him. He fills a gap, but he's not going to be a standout. And when you're talking about safeties, getting closer to average is better because what you're really looking to avoid with safeties is coverage busts. Not everybody's going to have an Ed Reed. There's not many Ed Reeds. 
You know, most free safeties are not ranging around making picks like crazy. It's just not how the game works, especially anymore. So that really helps out the back end of their secondary and just makes their defense more respectable. So again, I give the Grady Jarrett signing, or not Grady Jarrett, that would be much better. David Onyemata, B+. Plus. Uh, Jesse Bates, I give it a B. Fills a need, decent player. Didn't overpay. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs signed Jawan Taylor to play left tackle, which is mind-blowing. And I gave this a C plus. Now, here's why. Jawan Taylor had two years, like a year ago, exactly a year ago, Jawan Taylor was battling in camp to win the right tackle starting job for the Jaguars against Walker Little. Walker Little, I, he was like a fifth-round pick, might not have been drafted. Now, Walker Little was better than that. The reason he slipped in the draft is because he had a bunch of injuries in college despite being a five-star recruit to Stanford. So it's not that embarrassing, but like at that time, people are thinking of him as like a C plus player, you know, he can start, you're not thrilled, but it's fine. It's fine. Jawan Taylor has always been really bad in the run game because he's not very fleet of foot. He's a very big power tackle, right? He's the kind of guy where if he gets a hand on you, you're probably going to stop. But if you get around him, he can't catch you. He's not quick, right? So his pass blocking is pretty good, especially if he doesn't have to move too much, and his run blocking sucks. Problem one, Patrick Mahomes moves a lot. Offensive tackles for the Chiefs, it would be better if you could move a little bit. Problem number two, and this is the much bigger problem, they paid Juwan Taylor $20 million a year, which is a lot, because they refused to pay Orlando Brown a similar amount. Now, people were saying the problem with Orlando Brown is, you know, he doesn't want to play right tackle. He wants to play left tackle, and he's not quite good enough. He's good, but not great. Okay, fine. I would understand if you sign Jawan Taylor thinking he'll be our right tackle, and then we'll figure out left tackle later. They signed Jawan Taylor to play exactly the same position as Orlando Brown, and Orlando Brown is better in every way. And they probably could have had him for exactly the same amount of money. So they got a worse version of the same player for just as much money. And now they don't have as much continuity. It makes no sense to me. Unless Orlando Brown's out here asking for $25 million a year, which I doubt because that's crazy. I don't understand what they're doing. Now, if they got Jawan Taylor and they were going to put him at right tackle because they expected to go get Laramie Tunsil and put him at left tackle fine. That is dope. That is a huge upgrade for your offensive line, but that's not what they're doing. I don't understand this at all. Orlando Brown is a better pass blocker than Jawan Taylor, and that's Jawan Taylor's forte. And he's also a better run blocker than Jawan Taylor. So what the hell are you doing? Jawan Taylor is not very good. I think he's a C plus B minus starter. Either way, he's not an average starter. And they just paid him like he was an elite starter. It's a bad move. That being said, the Kansas City Chiefs are really, really well coached. They've got a good offensive line coach and a great head coach and a good, come on, a great quarterback that will make him look better than he is. Will it hurt the Chiefs? No, it doesn't matter. But it's also not a good move. It's not great GMing, right? So did the Chiefs get better today? No. Did they get much worse? Also, no. Uh the Washington Commanders signed uh, a couple of uh, Nick Gates at center, 
uh, Wiley at right tackle. These are depth dudes. If they're starting for you, things aren't going so well. I'm not going to grade these signings. They aren't material. I don't think that the commanders got any better or worse on the offensive line today, although they did get deeper. So good for you. Uh, the last player signing I'm going to talk about is Jamel Dean, and I'm trying not to talk about dudes who didn't switch teams, but Jamel Dean is a really good cornerback who was everybody expected him to leave Tampa Bay. And he signed for only $13 million a year with Tampa Bay. So they got a like a B-plus, A-minus corner for chump change for less than the Bears played a, paid a bad starting linebacker. That's an A plus, and I just had to make mention because I'm not very impressed with Tampa Bay ever. I really don't think they're a well-run team. I think they lucked into Tom Brady, and other than that, they do dumb things. But this time around, got to give it up. Got I can't lie. It was good. Real quick rapid fire while I look at my phone and just confirm that some of these deals are happening. Cam Sutton to the Lions, uh, pretty cheap deal. He's a solid cornerback, too, and even if his game goes to hell, he's really good in the slot, so that's a valuable signing. I think they still need a lot of help in the secondary, but good start. Von Bell to the Panthers, that's a terrible fit. He's a box safety. He's more of a linebacker than a safety, if we're being real, and they already have that in Jeremy Chin, so go deep. Go deep when you play the Panthers. Their secondary is very slow. Even though I like J.C. Horn, he's not exactly fleet of foot. Go deep. That'll pan out for you real well, I promise. Uh... Patriots re-sign Jones, cornerback, whatever. Re-signings don't count. Patrick Peterson to the Steelers. He's got a little game left, but at this point, he's mostly just brain, right? His athleticism is really failing him. He's a B-minus starter, but the Steelers didn't really pay for him, so he fills a hole. It's basically a one-for-one him for Cam Sutton. Fine. And then Marcus Epp to the Raiders. He's a C-plus safety. Okay. C deal. C is average. That's average. I'm not impressed. Trying to make sure I'm not missing anything real quick. Trying to make sure nothing's broken while I've been recording this. Looks like everything's kosher. That leaves us with the quarterbacks. As far as quarterbacks go, let's start at the top. And by the top, I simply mean the one that's probably going to play the most. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo to the Las Vegas. Not Oakland. Jimmy Garoppolo does not cross the bay and go play for the Oakland Raiders. He drives a little bit south and East, and he plays for the Las Vegas Raiders. And I think that this is a career-ending move for Josh McDaniels. Here's why. Jimmy Garoppolo, not a good quarterback. Not a good quarterback by any measure. Uh, I think Brock Purdy pretty thoroughly proved, if you know Nick Mullins before him didn't prove, that producing and being efficient in the Kyle Shanahan San Francisco 49ers offense is not difficult at all. It's completely unimpressive. So the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo was average as an NFL quarterback in an ideal situation, it kind of tells, it's kind of damning. It kind of tells me he's not very good. So I think that Josh McDaniels going from a good but not exciting quarterback in Derek Carr to a downright bad starting quarterback, a decent back, a good backup, but not a starting quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo, the Raiders are going to get a lot worse. And they paid him about $17 million a year. I don't know I don't know how anybody could see that as an upgrade. And it's also they paid him enough money that they're not looking for anything else. 
I think that this marries the Raiders to a 500 season at the best, and it's probably not even going to be that. They could, of course, try to draft a quarterback, but I don't know how they do that justifiably when they're paying Jimmy Garoppolo all this money, and they would have to trade up to get a guy anyway. So I, I think that the Raiders are screwed. I think that Josh McDaniels got rid of Derek Carr, the guy that had been around forever, and brought in his guy. And I think his guy is going to be way worse. So I give this a D minus. It's not an F because Jimmy Garoppolo can play football. <laughs> uh, but Jimmy Garoppolo was not the best free agent quarterback out there. You've got dudes like Marcus Mariota and Baker Mayfield out there who have proven that they're at least significantly better than Jimmy Garoppolo. And I, I don't understand this at all. This is like a borderline tanking move. Frankly, Jarrett Stidham is way better than Jimmy Garoppolo, and he was already there and already knew the system. So this is an egregious misstep. I think it ends Josh McDaniel's career. He almost got fired after this disappointing year. I think next year he'll be even more disappointing, and he gone. Next up, uh, we'll go Mike White to the Dolphins. I... I never really understood the Mike White hysteria. I know that he played for the New York Jets, and that's New York. And I lived in New York when it was happening, and people would be like, oh, Mike White. Like, I'd be talking at the bar with, like, people who were football fans, and they'd be like, oh, Mike White, you think he's the guy? No, how do you even begin to think that? He's not good at all. This is a good Jets team. Like, they have good players, and they have a decent offense, and he looks inept. Like, occasionally he looks okay. Now, he's going to the Dolphins. Dolphins are probably the most quarterback-friendly team in the NFL. They have a mega genius, like an evil genius with a gigantic brain-level genius in uh, Mike McDaniel. Dude's amazing. You could make an argument he's the best offensive coach in football right now. I have to defer to Andy Reid, but that's basically only because he's done it for 30 years. I'm so impressed by Mike McDaniel. I love watching the way he designs offense, and it helps when you've got two of the top five top 10 wide receivers in the NFL, both of whom are speed demons that nobody can run with in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Insane. So I think that Mike White is setting himself up for great success, but I think that the Dolphins really, they, they kissed their sister on this one. The Dolphins messed up. I, uh, I could say it in much funnier and much more inappropriate terms, but let's just keep it kosher for YouTube. They messed up. You could, okay, there's room to disagree about Tua, right? Some people, Tua non, are really excited about Tua. I think he's a great NFL quarterback, top five, certainly top 10. Uh, and if that's the case, if that's true, great, fine. Yeah, you don't really need to worry about your backup quarterback unless, of course, your quarterback that starts in his top five or ten has like this weird history of grievous injury. But that's not, oh, we got Tua whose entire leg popped off his body in college from a pretty routine tackle, and he's had, depending on who you ask, two to five concussions in the NFL already. Mm, and he's tiny. I don't think learning how to fall better and doing judo like the Dolphins have suggested is going to stop him from being small and getting hit hard and occasionally, wait for it, hitting his head. That's not to make light of concussions. I've had a couple myself. They're not fun and they're scary. And I hope Tua lives a happy and healthy life. I hope he never hurts his head again. But you have to be prepared for that scenario. 
And in an offseason when you've got so many free agent quarterbacks with experience as starters, decent starters, good starters even, for decent money, like cheap money, I think that they fumbled the bag. Because of Tua's – and there's also the other idea. I mean, a lot of people don't think Tua's a good starting quarterback. They think that he's a product of his system and his roster around him and that the first two years of his career were much more indicative of how good he is at football production-wise than the last year, right? Because production and performance are different things. You can perform poorly and produce well if you've got a good coach and good players around you. Look at Jimmy Garoppolo. We just talked about him. It's a perfect example, a perfect comparison even. So it, it, it truly confuses me that the Dolphins would opt for a normal solid backup in Mike White, right? I give Mike White like a 1.9 grade. It's a C to C minus. He's not a starting quarterback. He is a backup, a decent backup, but a backup. Meanwhile, uh, personally, what I was wishing for, I wish they would have gone and gotten Baker Mayfield or Marcus Mariota. Have, you know, sit him on the bench. Don't even have a quarterback competition. God forbid Tua's game goes to hell or Tua gets hurt again. And you've got two quarterbacks who have proven that they can be productive and efficient as starters with bad teams. And you put them on a great situation. And personally, I think that either one of them would like run with it. Like, Super Bowl contender level performance on a great team. But the Dolphins made their bed. Now they're going to have to lie in it. Uh, if Tua comes crashing back to earth and regresses to his mean, they are going to be sitting there with a great roster and an amazing coaching staff thinking, why didn't we just get a better backup quarterback and save ourselves all this trouble? God forbid Tua gets hurt again or concussed again because we were talking about this guy retiring like two months ago. God forbid he gets hurt. God forbid anything happens to his head. They're going to be sitting there with Mike White going, oh, we, we, we should have got a better backup. I, I, I think they fumbled the bag. I gave this signing an F, not because Mike White is terrible, but because it just shows that they have no idea what they're doing. Like They don't understand their team. Now, they did bounce back and get an A on the David Long, Long signing because I think he's a really good linebacker, probably the best linebacker in free agency, and they got him for dirt cheap. So good job there, Mr. Greer, but you really messed up your whole team by not going after a high-end backup quarterback. I would have been happy with even Jimmy Garoppolo just because at least you know he's polished, aware of the system, and can walk right in and give you competent play because you're going to need it. Even if Tua's good, even if I'm dead wrong and Tua's elite, he's going to get hurt. He's not growing, and your offensive line is not becoming like five iterations of Superman from the multiverse. I know I just mixed universes, but that's not happening. If we believe that there can be infinite Spider-Mans, there can also be a world where there are infinite Supermans in the Spider-Man world. Don't mess with me. So... I think that the Dolphins really messed up their backup quarterback signing. That's all I got to say. The last sign I'm going to talk about is uh, the San Francisco 49ers getting Sam Darnold on a one-year deal. Now, personally, th this one hurt my heart. I don't like the San Francisco 49ers. I have a longstanding rivalry with the city of San Francisco for very different reasons. That being said, 
I really hope that the 49ers would understand that one, Brock Purdy's hurt, and two, he's not very good. He's better than Jimmy Garoppolo because he's a great backup. He's not a starting, he's not a decent starting quarterback. I give him a 2.0 grade. That is a flat C. That is a bad starter. It's not good enough. He's not a game manager. He's almost a game manager. If he gets better, he's a game manager. Right? He's worth Andy Dalton was never this bad. And Andy Dalton's a game manager. Trey Lance doesn't have it. He wasn't very good at North Dakota State. Honestly, if you watch him pass, he wasn't a good passer. He was just an athlete. They, I thought he was a fullback the first time I watched him because he never passed. Uh, that being said, he hasn't played any football in like four years. No, Trey Lance is not the answer either. What the 49ers needed to do with their Super Bowl roster, their awesome roster and their great coaching staff is maximize their window by going out and getting an elite backup or low-key, a pretty good starter. I thought they were going to go get Baker Mayfield. He's got familiarity with the system because Kyle Shanahan basically runs a better version, a more creative, aggressive version of what Kevin Stefanski runs in Cleveland. So Baker's done this. He also played in Los Angeles with Sean McVay, very similar to what the 49ers run. Again, just less aggressive and less creative. I thought it would be a perfect fit. Baker Mayfield can come in. Not a lot of fanfare. If he doesn't work out, he's a backup. Nobody's going to be putting a ton of pressure on him because they didn't sign him to be the franchise guy like the Browns or the Panthers tried earlier. He was just a stopgap, something to hold you over till Brock Purdy gets back or maybe even do a quarterback battle with him in training camp to the extent that Brock Purdy can throw a football by then. They messed up. They went and got Sam Darnold instead. Sam Darnold stinks. Sam Darnold, I actually have the exact same grade on as Brock Purdy, 2.0. Very different reasons. Brock Purdy is smart. He just has no physical talent. Uh, Sam Darnold is a decent runner. He's got an okay arm as far as velocity and power go. He's a really bad thinker. He's a really bad processor pre and post snap. He doesn't understand things. You would think, you know, a five or six year veteran in the league, he would at least have a better understanding of pre snap reads. He doesn't. He's bad at it. And his accuracy is hell. So I don't understand the allure of Sam Darnold. He might have just been cheaper. He might have been more willing. Baker Mayfield might have been playing hardball because I know that he's got, you know, uh, opportunities in other cities with other teams, such as staying in L.A. with the Rams or going to Tampa Bay with the Buccaneers. I don't know. Baker makes terrible decisions regarding where he wants to play. It's not. It wouldn't be the first time. Uh, it won't be the last unless he completely blows it. But again, I give it a C minus. I think Sam Darnold's just as good as Brock Purdy. So fine. Okay. Like you're going to be just as good as you were last year. And that's, that's great. You could have upgraded pretty massively. Uh, there are a lot of backup quarterbacks out there that are better than Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo. Sucks. They were available. Stidham, Mariota, Mayfield. I'm sure I'm missing plenty. I don't believe in going after Lamar Jackson. I don't think that he's worth the money. I don't think he's that great. But Jacoby Brissett, Teddy Bridgewater is a similar caliber. Andy Dalton's better than most of those dudes. Like my rankings, if I were picking, I would have gone Baker Mayfield, Marcus Mariota, Andy Dalton, uh, Jacoby Brissett, Teddy Bridgewater. They throw Stidham above Andy Dalton. 
hell, I'd rather take Taylor Heineke than Sam Darnold. I think they messed up. But Kyle Shanahan's got a long history of being terrible at evaluating quarterbacks. Look at Trey Lance. Look at Jimmy G. Look at Nick Mullins. Look at Brock Purdy. He really likes dudes that aren't very good, but will run his offense. That's all I got for the first day of free agency. And I'm sure that at the exact moment that I exit out and I start editing this video, Aaron Rodgers will announce he's going to the Jets, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson will sign, and all hell will break loose. Tom Brady will even return and offer to play for the 49ers, and then there will be a fist fight between him and Sam Donald to see who does it. But until tomorrow, when I do the same thing again, I'll be grinding film. Asta.